I'm going to go to Second Peter. Second Peter. Now, it's funny how this all works together there. I, I didn't notice the scriptures that Brother Poling used in his letter there until a while ago. I, I just don't, it dawned on me that how, much, how close it was to what we're talking about tonight. Song y'all just sang. You know, when you talk about the end, it's, we're living in the day of scoffers. Everybody in the world knows that things are about to blow up. But if you mention that, even to Christian people, especially to Christian people, they, they, they almost mock you. Because, you know, what are you, scared? A doomsdayer? That kind of thing, you know. Do you all realize that the end is near? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's a good thing. Yes. It is a good thing. If you're ready to meet the Lord, if you're prepared. If you're not prepared, then it's a bad thing for you. Yes, it is. I'd be scared to death if I didn't know that my name was written down in heaven. If I didn't know the Lord on a daily... If I didn't know every day that He was my Lord and Savior. If I didn't... If I couldn't hear from Him. If He didn't speak to me. If He didn't deal with me. If I... If I couldn't find God, I'd be scared to death right now in this world. That's what men are doing now. Their hearts are failing them for fear of the things that are coming to pass on the earth. And the ones that are not are living in la-la land, talking to animals and everything else. Bunch of, it's a nut house. For that second, Peter. I'll try to not meander around here. Because I could real easy. Second Peter chapter 3. Let's read verses 11 through 14. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. When the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. So, how should the knowledge that the end is near affect us if we know God. Well, we ought to be uh, what manner of uh, uh, persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness. And then it talks about there seeing you look for such things be diligent that you be found of him and him in peace without spot and blameless. That's how it ought to affect us. It ought, there ought to, it ought to have a sobering effect on us. It ought to have a reigning effect on us as far as our involvement, desire for this world around us and the things of this world. Because they're all going to melt with fervent heat. They're going to be dissolved. And heaven and earth are going to flee away. And there's going to be found no place for them. All this is going to disappear. The seat you're sitting on. This wooden 
pulpit here, this house, this the earth that this house is sitting on. It's all going to disappear. When God sent the flood to destroy the world, He destroyed all of man's works. I mean, He He thoroughly cleansed this earth of man and any trace of Him. Is that right? I believe that's right. So the next time, the last time, at the end of all of this, all of man's works are going to be burned up. <clears throat> Everything. So the end of all things is laid before us here and we're exhorted to prepare for it. That's the thing in these verses here. We ought to be prepared and we ought to diligently prepare. There in the last part of it, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. It'll be an awesome and overwhelming calamity that'll come upon all the world. They'll cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. Have you ever just sat and thought about the terror in the heart of those who have hated God, God's people, who've rejected everything, refused God to find themselves with no heaven or no earth, to no, no heaven to look at and no earth to stand on, and they're naked before God with nothing? What a terror it's going to be. <clears throat> for those who aren't prepared. There'll be new heavens. There will be new heavens. Not a new heaven. New heavens, it says. New heavens. I think that's pretty marvelous. And new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness, the scripture says here exclusively no sin i mean it's a place where there'll only be righteousness the everything's going to be dissolved and then god's going to make a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness the way he did the first time only this time there ain't going to be no sin no place for it it's not going to be it's not going to happen there'll be no place for us in that new heavens and new earth if we're not righteous. That's pretty important because you say, why you have to say that? Because we got a world full of people and a, and a nation full of churches and a world full of churches that are preaching you don't have to be righteous. That that's all just a matter for the books up in heaven. You can live as you want to down here. Long as you got that imputed righteousness, whatever they mean by that. It's something that's not seen according... This is the understanding that everybody gets. So wrong, so deceptive. Yes, sir. Well, I have the righteousness of Christ. Not if you don't live like Christ. Not if you don't live according to His righteousness. You don't have the righteousness of Christ. Right. There's no such thing as having it on the books when it's not in reality. That's a thing like our country's living on financially. You know, what are the books saying? What's reality? Well, reality's what matters. None of these promises say anything about imputed righteousness. Doesn't do that. Righteousness is righteous. 
Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. You don't have Christ's righteousness unless it shows in your life. You'll never convince me. This Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches just the opposite. You'll never convince me that somebody can live wicked and be righteous in heaven. Somehow, they're going to make it. But I can I could take I could punch it in right here and show you in a heartbeat preachers preaching just the opposite. They pass these best poem ever written around on the internet. I've seen different times, you know, and it all it's about is that when you get to heaven you're gonna be so surprised. Because basically all the church people and the people that lived holy, they're gonna be in hell, and all the people that lived in adultery and drunkenness and drugs and everything else, they're gonna be in heaven. That's what the poem says. And everybody says, that's the best poem ever written. So wonderful. Shows you how warped up the world is in their thinking. Shows you what they've been listening to that's warped up. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. This is for the righteous, wherein dwelleth righteousness. If you're going to prepare, you better consider that. Yes, sir. You better not take no uh, phony... Wooden nickels on this deal. You better not believe this stuff that you can just... You got a free ticket to live however you want. Because righteousness is something that's apart from us and what we do and how we live and what we are. Righteousness is not separated from us. What does it mean to be justified? <coughs> Just and righteous are the same word. mean the same thing. How can you be a righteous person while you practice wickedness, unrighteousness? No, you can't. You cannot. And there's few that'll tell you that. But I'm telling you that tonight. And you better, you better believe that one. You can get if you don't. You got plenty of people that'll side with you, and plenty of preachers and theologians, and all of the schools and everything else will side with you against what I just said. But they're all going to find out when heavens and earth, the heavens and earth are dissolved, and we stand before God. You're going to find out what righteousness meant, yes, sir. and what it really is. If we do not diligently prepare for this future event that is as certain to come to pass as God is in heaven, we'll be cast into outer darkness, out of the universe. Out of, out. What's outer darkness? <laughs> These people, I saw somewhere the other day said, what is the shape of the universe? They think they can figure out the shape of the universe. And they don't even know where the boundaries are. They don't know how big it is. They have no clue. But they, they think they know what shape it is. All right, I got a question for them. What's outside the universe? Yeah. You smarty pants who think you know everything. Who said everything just, just turn, you know, blew up and this is what we got. <clears throat> Everything's getting better and better. Everything's working toward perfection. Look at that pile out there in the backyard there. That, that used to be a shed. Why isn't it a better shed now than it was when they built it? Yeah. Why didn't it evolve into something better instead of that pile of trash that's back there? Because that is not how the universe, life, works. It's just the basic laws of physics. Everything is dying, slowing down. 
to a place where it's going to stop. It's not getting better. It's not getting faster. Things are not picking up. Things don't get perfect. They fall apart. Unless some, some power holds them together. Yeah. You got, you got a, we got a roof on the house. You know, my roof's getting kind of bad. If I don't do something pretty soon, it's going to start leaking. And if I don't do something, it's, the house will rot down. Right. Finally, it'll fall in. But if I do something, it won't do that. I can keep it from falling in if I just put a roof on it. But when, if I'm gone and the next guy says, I ain't putting a roof on it, he lets it leak, it'll fall down on him. Something's got to be kept going here to keep it alive. Or it dies. That's the nature of things. Outer darkness. Outer darkness. Did you ever think about it? Out of the universe and out of the presence of God and the righteous forever. Cast into outer darkness. Out of the presence of God and out of the presence of the righteous forever. Utter darkness. No stars, no sun, no moon, no God, no light. No way back. No turning this thing around. No hope ever. Outer darkness. You got one little window here to escape that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only fools don't prepare. First of all, we're to hold we're told to be found of him in peace. That's what he says first. To find ourselves without a world to live in or a heaven to look up to and to be at odds with God. That'd be the ultimate disaster for our soul. We got to be diligent to make sure we're at peace with God here and now. You know, are you at peace with God right now? Are you? Are you lying to yourself? Are you living in a fantasy? Saying, sure I am. You know, I don't know why God would have anything against me. (laughs) Are you sure about that? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your enemies? Is there anybody you hate? Is there anybody that you'd just soon see in the grave? You're not at peace with God. You're not at peace with God. As long as anything like that is in your mind and heart. You're not ready. You're not ready. To meet God. If there's a person on this earth that you feel that way toward. How you gonna deal with God? How you think God you and God's gonna work that out? (coughs) When there's no heaven and no earth anymore, you're standing before him without excuse. Seth talked in this morning Sunday school about forgiveness and how that the Lord said that if you won't forgive those that have trespassed against you, neither will the Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Yes, I mean, it's just that way. That's the way it is. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. You can't claim to have God's forgiveness and peace with God 
as long as you won't forgive a single person on this earth. That's right. Even if it's just one. So we got to be diligent about being find being found in him, of him in peace. It means to know for certain that God does not have ought against us. And it means to know for certain that we don't have harbor any ought against God in our hearts. You got anything against God? You think God's done you wrong in any way? You think God's not been fair to you? You can't have peace with God unless you know God has nothing. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Brother Rice always talked about having uh, short, accounts. short accounts with God. Yes, keeping everything clear, making sure nothing's wrong. There's a thing my grandma told me when we got married. She said, "Don't ever go to bed mad. Don't." Because the Bible says, don't let the sun set on your wrath. Yeah. Go down. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't end the day angry with somebody, especially your loved ones. So, you know, what does that say? What are you supposed to do? Get it right before you go to sleep. Don't go to sleep like that. Sleep's a type of death. You don't want to die. Not right with God. Not at peace with God. And don't lie to yourself about it. Don't harbor hatred and and things, sin in your heart and in your life. Thinking that God will be okay with me because He loves everybody and God's just love and He there's no way He would hold this against me. (coughs) Better rethink that. God's going to make sure that this new heavens and new earth is free of sin. Sin shall not enter there. Nothing that defileth or maketh a lie. Nothing is going in there. And I'm glad and thankful that it's that way. Had enough of it here. Yes, sir. A lifetime here is a is a stomach full of all of this sin and hatred and fighting and evil. Yes, sir. I don't want to face eternity with any shadow of that. And that's what God has promised us. Be found of Him in peace. It means we don't live under the condemnation of a guilty conscience because of sins that we have not forsaken. Got any sin you haven't forsaken? The end is near. Need to... Everybody better... Everybody better be serious about this. It's time to get right with God. Be found of peace. Be found of Him in peace. To be at peace with God means that we can assure our hearts before Him and come before Him with confidence. Boy, that's a different kind of relationship than most everybody has with God. To have confidence. To be at peace with God is to have confidence. He's my Father. I've not done him wrong. I'm, as far as I know, I'm living with a clear conscience before God. See, people tell you you can't do that. Well, I'm telling you you can do that. I'm telling you you better do that. There's no other way. To be at peace with God means that when we're finally in His presence, it'll be like a 
wonderful reunion of dear friends or loved ones who have longed to see one another for a long time. You got, you hear me there? You hear what I said? Yes. For to be at peace with God means that you're ready to come into His presence. You're, you're welcoming it. You're not looking at it with fear and trembling like, oh no, what's He going to do to me? What's He going to say to me? I hope to make heaven my home, but I'm not sure. I don't know. No. Better not die like that. Better die with a better hope than that. You better live with a better hope than that. You better know that all is right between you and God. How in the world do you do that? Very, very simple. He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. Shall obtain mercy. That's as simple as that. Only acknowledge your transgressions. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Still that way. Come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My peace I give unto thee. So to be at peace with God means we can assure our hearts and that we can be ready to meet Him. And it's and we, it's something that we'll look forward to. Do you? Right now. I mean, you answer yourself in your own heart. Do you right now look forward to that? And that, that moment, there's no other way to describe it, when you stand before God and finally see Him. Do you look forward? forward to that do you long for that I mean is that something or do you look at that like and it makes you shudder because you don't know what's going to happen you don't have peace with God you can have peace with God and it says be diligent to do so be diligent about this matter it'll not be a dreaded meeting if we're truly at peace with God we got to apply ourselves diligently to this task. Not lazily or apathetically. we got to do it. Be found of Him in peace. We're told to be found that day without spot. Without spot. Man, this gets kind of tight here, don't it? We are to apply ourselves diligently to this task also. Without spot. Bible says that he's preparing his bride without spot. He's going to present her to himself without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing. Then he's telling us here that we are to be found of him in peace without spot. It's our responsibility to make sure that our mind, our mind and our heart are not spotted by the world. What is pure religion and undefiled before the Father? Is this? To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Would you be spotted? Would, would you have a spot on you if you dress like the world? Follow the fads of the world? If you modify your body like the world does? If you let them teach you how to Dress, act, talk. Did you slang? Do you pick up their slang? I mean, 
of all your language, your your appearance, your you know, your your way of thinking. How much of it has the world in it? Boy, we can get in trouble right here. You pick it up. It, it, it gets on you. You go in a gas station where there's cigarette smoke everywhere or someplace like that, you know. When you come out, does anybody else smell it on them? If, if, like, if you're in the car and I go in and come out, do you smell it? Yes. That's right. Wouldn't have it on me if it didn't go in there. Used to the restaurant there in Mill Spring, you know, used to man, it was the greasiest place. And when you went in there, you come out, you had, you smell like that place. It is, it was onions and grease, and cigarette smoke. Now, about anywhere you go, you're gonna come out with marijuana smoke on you. Walmart, everywhere. Yeah, Dollar General. You get it on you just by going where they're at. It works the same way in your mind and your heart. Their, their drama and their emotion, it affects your heart. You get to act just like them. Yeah. You spit out things out of your mouth that came right from the world. It got into your heart somehow. You get things in your mind that twists up your thinking yeah. and your understanding about the Word of God, about this that we're talking about here. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Unspotted. To keep without spot. It's our responsibility to do that. To make sure our mind and heart are not spotted by the word. A spot. By dictionary defines it as a mark on a substance made by foreign matter. A speck. A blot. A stain. A place dis uh, discolored. A stain on in character or reputation. Something that soils Purity. It's a repro reproach, a fault, a blemish. So it's something that is visible to others that should not be there. Jeremy, that's what a spot is. It's something that everybody can see that ain't supposed to be there. If you come in here and you've got a great big sore on your face, you know, or on the end of your nose, everybody's going to see it. it. What do you call that? A blemish. It, well, it's a spot. <laughs> there it is. I mean, you know... I've always thought it was the most funny thing I ever seen. You know, when they used to take these uh, binoculars or a, teles a, par a telescope, you know, and they'd put that black stuff on it and they'd give it to somebody and they'd say, "Now turn it, turn it. You can turn it like that." And when they get, take it down, while well, they got a black circle around their eye. I've always thought that's funny. Y'all think that's funny? Everybody can see it, but them. See, that's the thing about it. You know, they look around at everybody, well, what's so funny? And here they got this big old spot around their eye and nobody can see it but them till they go look in the mirror. People like to play jokes on one another like that. You know, stick something on them or, you know, make something. It's a blemish. It's, a, it's something that's visible to everybody else that ain't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Ain't that funny how we get spotted by the world and we don't see it but everybody else does. It's something that's visible to others that shouldn't be there. It's a, and a spot something that, that's not there by nature, but has been caused by disease, pestilence, or bad association. Keep yourself unspotted. It's something that others 
see that ruins or lessens our reputation and influence as a Christian. Spot. That's what it is. We've talked about it for years. You know, I've listened to lots of preaching and and a lot of we we had this little saying it had a fly in it. You know, if it wasn't for that fly, that'd have been a good message. You know what I'm talking about? Everything about it was good except that one thing. It was out of the it, it was inserted in there, it didn't belong there, it didn't fit there. It was wrong, and everything else was right, but that was wrong. And it kind of just so up, spoils the whole thing. You know, dead flies in the uh, oil of the apothecary sendeth forth a stinking savor. So doeth a little folly him that's had a reputation for honor. Uh, it's a spot. Yes, sir. It's something that that causes everybody to look at us and doubt us. It's, a, it's something that all the world can see that puts a question mark on our testimony as a Christian and our identity as a Christian. Where did that spot come from? The world. We got it from them. And yet they look at us and say, Ha! Yeah, look at you. How can you be a Christian? You, you like what we like. You wear what we wear. You make your face up just like we do. You wear leggings just like we do. (laughs) I'm not embarrassed to say that. Lots of preachers are because they'd lose their job. Because the women in the church do that. Well, you might as well be naked. Yeah. And you know that. But you'll do it because of the world's influence on you. And you ain't got no testimony. Let me tell you that. A woman that a dress like that ain't got no Christian testimony. That's the way it is. Spots of the world. We can have spots in our mind and the way we think and reason. And if we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, we will begin to think and reason like they do and not even realize it. We can have spots on our heart by the things on which we set our affection. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, y'all want to finish that for me? The love of the Father is not in him. If you love the world, you don't love God. If you love the world, you don't love God. Spots. If it, we don't want to stand before God with heaven and earth dissolved out from under our feet with spots on our mind, heart, or reputation. See, it's not just outward. I'm talking about inward too. Spots can be inward. You, you don't think you have... You think what you've got in your mind other people can't see. But let me tell you something. What you've got in your mind and your heart comes right out. And everybody sees it anyway. They know how. How could you think like that? How could you believe that? How could you do that? So people see the spots on the inside of you as well as on the outside. So we're to be diligent to be blameless, unblameable. You all right? Yes, I'm sorry. We're to be diligent to be blameless. No spots. 
have peace, no spot, and be blameless. Unblameable, without fault, innocent, not meriting censure or blame. Does that mean that people won't accuse us? Does unblameable mean that people won't accuse us anyway? Oh no. Was Jesus unblameable? Yes, he was. Did, what did they accuse him? Of course they did. They accused him of blasphemy. Worthy of death. They accused him of all kinds of things. Of breaking God's law. And tried to make him guilty. But he was blameless. They were liars and wrong. We are to be unblameable. Don't mean that we won't have reproach. Don't mean that somebody won't say bad things about us. Won't mean that somebody won't try to destroy our reputation and make people think evil of us. But we should strive to make sure that our sins have been forgiven and we're not guilty before God or others. We should strive to make sure that no one has ought against us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. God ain't going to receive your gift, your offering, until you get right with your brother. So how do you think he's going to receive you when you're not right with your brother when heaven and earth are gone and you're just standing before God? Everything, the end of everything's happened. You're standing before God and you're not right. It all ended while you were still harboring that ought. Or when you realized that somebody had ought against you and you still didn't take care of it. If you could. Hmm. God doesn't take our part when we assume an attitude of indifference toward what other people think of us or blame us for. God doesn't take our part when we just say, I don't care what they think. Doesn't matter to me. I know what's right. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. God don't take our part. I'm with you. You're right. Doesn't matter what they say. That's not what it... What does blameless mean? They have no right to blame you. They can't accuse you justly. They have no grounds. They have no proof. They can't prove nothing. The world's a crazy place. They crucified the Lord because they convicted Him of wrongdoing based upon what? Lies. Lies. False witnesses. They had to look hard to find anybody that would lie like that. But they found two. They found two that would do it. But Jesus was blameless. And that's what we're supposed to be. See, God knows. Everybody else don't always know. That's the sad thing about this world. And that's the good thing about the fact that the righteous judge is going to judge everything one of these days. You mentioned this morning about innocent people being put in prison for years and years. That's been the way since the world began. Innocent people have been punished, have been convicted and called guilty by the world when they were not guilty. But there's a God in heaven who's going to judge all of that. And one day, 
they are going to be vindicated and their false accusers are going to be judged. Everything's going to be made right by God who sees all and knows all. <coughs> In the meantime, we're supposed to live blameless. <coughs> Not careless. Got to walk wisely and not in foolishness and vanity. We ought to live and conduct ourselves in such a way as to not create situations where we are at fault. <coughs> Getting close to the end here. <coughs> We're to beware lest we be led away with the error of the wicked, he says. What's the error of the wicked? The error of the wicked is that they're not going to prepare for the end of things. <laughs> they don't believe it's coming. And they don't believe if the end is coming, God ain't got nothing to do with it and God's nothing to be feared. That's the error of the wicked. <clears throat> the error of the wicked is to assume that God is all love and no judgment and He won't he won't cast anybody into hell. <clears throat> so basically, the error of the wicked is that you can sin and get away with it, and God will forgive you anyway. Second Peter three seventeen. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, <clears throat> beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So, since they don't believe that it's going to happen, they'll not be concerned about being found in peace, found of God in peace, or the spots of the world, or the guilt of their sin. They're not going to worry about it, and they're not going to prepare for it. <clears throat> don't be caught up in the error of the wicked. We're to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the last part of it. <clears throat> Uh, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Je and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. <clears throat> the more we can learn about Jesus here and now, <laughs> the more we can learn about Jesus here and now, the better it will be for us when we finally look Him in the face. Our alarm just went off, I think. It's time to get up. Time to wake up, everybody. The alarm just went off. <laughs> Growing grace. The more we can learn about Jesus here and now, the better it'll be for us when we finally look Him in the face. And y'all believe that. More about Jesus, what I know. Better do all you can to learn all about Him. That's why we're preaching in the, in the life of Christ on Sunday mornings. I'm learning about Jesus. I hope you are. I'm learning more and more about Him. I'm liking what I learn. And I'm getting more familiar with Him. So that when we do meet face to face, He ain't going to be no stranger. He's going to be just what I read about here. He's going to be just like I knew Him to be here. The more He owns of us, the more comfortable we will be when we see His eyes upon us in His very presence. 
I'm his and he is mine. That's wonderful. There's no way words can express what we're talking about here. We talk about the little kids, you know, and getting their glasses on and how they see for the first time. It's going to be that times a million. It's much more than we're expecting. Much more than we can possibly even imagine. why God says one of the reasons God said thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image don't make you a graven image and don't make you an image in your mind that's one of the things about watching these movies and TV shows and series about Jesus I don't like them at all because it it imprints an image of him in your mind so you think of him as looking like that and you're hindered because I don't do that. I don't know. The Lord help, has always helped me with that. I don't have an image in my mind of what Jesus looks like. That's beyond. <clears throat> I don't even try that. That's, that's getting away from the Word of God. Why should I need to see what He looks like? What I need, to, what it is, what I need is to know what He is like. You know, we're all sitting here looking at each other, but we're not looking at each other. We're looking at each other's bodies, see? I'm looking at a bunch of hair and faces and glasses and eyeballs, but all that is not you, and it's not me. We are a soul that has a body that's made out of dust, going to return to the dust. It's that soul that is in us. How well do you know one another that way? Husband and wife, parents and children, brother and sister, how well do you know one another on that level? So of soul I'm talking about. You may know what they look like in their face. I don't tell you who they are. Somebody can be very attractive and be the most bitter, hateful, undesirable person in the world. Somebody can be all distorted and twisted up in disease and have the sweetest soul you ever met. It's not that outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance. Man looks on, or God looks on the heart. That's what's going to matter. So how well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Him on that level? Or do you have to have a picture to look at? There's my Jesus. They sell them in Mexico, you know. I seen a sign. I remember. We hadn't been there very long at all. I seen a sign in a store window. It said, Cristos, 30 pesos. Christ for sale for 30 pesos. You know what it was? Little Jesus statues. They can sell them all day long down there. You know, at Christmas... In the Catholic Church, everywhere, they got to have that Jesus to look at. Yeah. I've told you so many times, but in Monterey, I went in the church there one time, in the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, I used to do stuff like that. I went around and put tracks in all the pews and everything. But they had Jesus laying in a casket in the front of the church. There he was. 
dead as a hammer, in a casket. Did Jesus ever lay in a casket? No. It's an image they have to look at, and that's what they worship. And they adore it, they'll hug it, they'll kiss it. You know, they kiss Jesus because they love Him so much, but it's a little mono, that's what they call them. Little idol. Don't think of Him that way. Jesus is alive. <laughs> you can know Him. You can walk with Him. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, he said. Know him on that level. What he, what our eyes are going to see, we can't even imagine. But we can know him. We can know him. Now. And that's what we need to do. Grow in grace. In light of what's all going to happen. Be found of him in peace. Without spot. And grow and, and blameless. And grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The, and so we should begin giving Him glory now. So that when forever begins in the new heaven and the new earth. New heavens and new earth. It will only be a continuation of what we already do. He that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. When it, when, when it happens, it's over. Everything's fixed. Ever how spiritual you are, how much you know the Lord, that's that's it. Now is the time to prepare diligently. Like tomorrow when you get up. Think about this stuff. What if he come what if he comes tomorrow? What if he comes tonight? You're gonna go to bed with your mind all Tainted with the world. You're going to go to bed mad. Or angry with somebody. You're going to go to bed with vanity on your mind. You're going to get up tomorrow and live the day that way. You're going to live like you don't exist all day. And then maybe before you go to bed pray a little or something tomorrow. Better not live like you don't even exist. You better live like he's right here with you. You better walk with him. Talk with him. Be found of Him in peace. You better have peace with God. Better be diligent about it. Who doesn't believe that the time is at hand? I do. I think anybody that's got the Spirit of God in them knows this too. It's not long. It's not long. We're not home yet, children. But it's coming and we're getting close. All right, Father, thank you for the good Lord's day. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the admonition from the Scriptures here tonight to us all. Help us to be more sober-minded, to watch and pray. Help us to be found of, of you in peace, without spot, blameless, and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because we know, Lord, that the end is near. It's the end of this world, but it's the beginning of life for us. Beginning of what you created us for. Eternal life with thee. My joy unspeakable. 
and full of glory. Help us to ponder these things and think of them often and prepare ourselves for your coming and do our part to be ready when you come for us. In Jesus' name, amen.